guys and welcome to episode 5 of the Everything Soccer Podcast. I just want to take a few moments to really thank you guys for all the support over the last few months. It really means a lot to me and I wouldn't have the motivation to keep this going without it. Um, I want to let you guys know that my house is pretty much torn apart from a water leak. So this was actually recorded on my dining room table. So the um, maybe some background noise from time to time. I'm uh, sorry for that. Um, the recording was so long that I ended up kind of taking out a lot of it so next week we'll have a special that'll have some of the omitted part of the recording which you'll be able to hear uh this episode is with someone who i've looked up to for a while now as a player and a captain um in burlington a true leader mr luke andrus and hope you guys enjoy mr andrus on the podcast finally it's been a, been a minute i'm happy to be here john January, I believe, we want to get you on. Yeah, ever since you released the um, the intro on Spotify, oh, like before, yeah. even before you released the first episode, I was like, I'm getting on this at some point. So I'm happy to be here. So yes. thanks, thanks for having me over. It's good. So I think we'll start at your township days from from high school. You were a good player. You unfortunately, had the junior year incident. Same as me. We both yeah. had junior year incidents. Missed yeah. the whole season. So I guess how was it senior year coming off your junior year injury? And having to play center back, which is not your natural position. Yeah, it was, speaking on the injury part first, it was hard. Um, being out of shape, like when you hurt your back, it's not. It's nothing like breaking your arm, for example. Like yours was your hip, right? Yeah. Very similar. You can't, like physical activity is just not there. Can't run it off. Yeah, and basically starting from ground zero and building up from there. I had a great physical therapy program to kind of, bring me back somewhat to where I was and get me on the right path and staying committed to that was probably not the hardest thing because I wanted to get back to where I was but at the same time you it really makes you realize it kind of humbles you a little bit because you take some things for granted and then you realize that wait I can't run anymore wait my two mile time is 20 minutes this is bad I have to get under 14 that was my goal I get the beat test set I was I try to get 1230 but I had to be realistic here Coming back from a back injury, yeah, and um, yeah, I just took that took that one step at a time. Um, I'd say I never really got back into shape, which is one of the reasons I think I was playing center back. Um, I think we definitely you need a strong back, and playing against Matt was really fun. I think that chemistry, kind of like PJ and Sean, how they always played at the same side with each other. Matt and I would play um, as center backs with each other, and that wasn't as much physically like cardiovascularly enduring on me so that was much easier um but i'd say that the biggest thing is just getting in shape for senior year and that's one thing that playing center back helped because i didn't have to i wasn't you know box to box i was more my end line to a little bit into their half so it wasn't as much um and also when you're if you're constantly out of breath sometimes it's hard to be vocal so i find it much easier to be like a vocal leader in the back as a center back um, yeah, I think as far as how the season went, I'm happy we got the win on senior night. Um, I think it was, uh, not Medford, uh, Morristown Friends, where we grinded out that loss. All the other results. I think it was Camden Catholic, wasn't it? Camden Catholic was the senior night win. That was one nothing, And then we beat yeah. Morristown Friends at home, I think, 2-1. to one. Um, I, it was by one goal. I don't think it was 3-2. to two. Um, but that was a good win. That was also early in the season where that was our second game of the season. Our first game of the season, we played Holy Cross. And 
I, we were up two nothing and I'm losing three to two. So if we started the season two and zero, I think we would have been in a much better spot going forward. And then we had the string where we probably lost five, six, seven games, one on senior night, um, and then that carries you into playoffs, which obviously didn't go away against that was Ocean City. One, Ocean right? City, yeah, yeah. that was it. Was weird playing in that environment. This isn't an excuse or anything. We got totally outplayed and outworked. Um, but playing like Ocean City, we had promises. Like if we win the game, we're getting pizza on the boardwalk and all that stuff. And it's really weird because I played on that field with my uncle and my dad. Um, my uncle would... I'm kind of rambling here, but I think, I'm, I think I'm kind of on topic. My uncle would run out of house in Ocean City for like a week or two in the summer. And we would go down for a day or two. And I remember just kicking a ball around with my cousin Sebastian on that field, and then that field's where my high school career came to an end, um, which is kind of not sentimental, but also like just kind of weird to think about. Because um, that game, I mean, it was three nothing by halftime, and was it halftime? Was it three? It was three nil at halftime. Um, so I'm not gonna say the game is gone by halftime. I think if they can do it in the first half, we could easily do it in the second half. And we started off with some good chances in the beginning of the second half. But eventually you get to the point where I think the seniors this year were in a similar situation, right? Yeah, this year by halftime. It was also three now. Did they play? Uh, Long Branch. Did they have a scoreboard at that field? Yeah. Do you know? It's the weirdest feeling when you're watching the seconds tick down. And, and it really it doesn't hit you right away, or at least it didn't for me. And I think because... I had a good, like, right when the clock hit 10 minutes, I kind of knew in the back of my head it would be really something special if we came back from this. And you get that 10 minutes where you're playing but also processing at the same time and just kind of enjoying the moment. And that kind of made for a bus ride to where I already accepted it on the bus ride, and I was sad, but it, it hadn't hit me yet. And then, like, a couple of days after, a couple of weeks after, you're like, wow, that's, like, the last time I'm going to play with some of these kids I grew up with. Um, so that's obviously a pretty engraving experience. It happened to me, too. I remember Long Branch because, I mean, back then I had no idea what I was going to be doing senior year where it was, like, MLS next or, like, transferring. There was a lot of different things happening there. So I just remember, like, Long Branch game coming back. Coach was doing his, you know, the bus ride thing he, he always did. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he went through all the seniors. We're back at Township, and he still has, like, five or six left. He went through all of them, and I'm just, like, sitting there, like, crying. Like, I was, like, I'm not going to lie. I was yeah. all sitting there crying. And him and Coach Luke came in, and they were, like, I, like, I remember telling them, I was, like, like I knew that I would probably wouldn't be back here. And it was just, like, the last time, and, like, I, could, I couldn't even play because I was out that game. And then. I actually could have played, but I didn't practice the day before because I knew Jackson was going to play because he was obviously going to play. And then he got hurt and he got a concussion, and I could have played, but then DJ went in because I wasn't eligible because I didn't practice. So it was just a bad situation. So uh, yeah, it yeah, it, I would, it's weird because your senior year, it almost depending on the situation, it'll hit you harder than your like freshman, sophomore, and junior years, for example. But we played Ocean Township. I want to say. My freshman year, we played as a township, and I traveled for that. And, or maybe that was sophomore year, I'm not sure. But I remember I was way more emotional. Like, I was crying on the bus on those, like, freshman, sophomore, end of junior year. There was this picture when we, we played it away. 
Um, freehold, right? Freehold, yeah. We played away at Freehold and lost. Um, it was pretty. It was a good game. It was a close game. That's also when I was hurt too. I didn't even play, and I remember crying on the bus because with that group, like, we had a special group. Like I remember there were there's so many kids on that team. Like I'll name drop Alex Marshall for example, and when you see people who you care about emotional because you're both like in this together, and you're like, I'm not gonna play with him again. I knew I would play with Matt Alloy again. I knew I'd play with Nick Colon, Dylan Giletto, Alex Petri, all those guys. But I knew I was going to play with Alex Marshall again. I was going to play with Mike O again. Um, which also means when we see him in pickup, then you know, it's, we, we get at it a little bit. But it, it was really weird. Yeah, Mike O and Amir. Yeah, Mike O and Amir are funny. They did. I don't think they ever played together in high school, did they? No. Amir would have been a freshman. and you were a freshman, and they were seniors. Yeah, yeah. So they never played together, but they get at it. Yeah, that's kind of, it. And that's that's what high school is about. Like those relationships that you have. And for me, I knew I was playing high school for years. I I played at Rush basically every season besides high school. So I, I knew I wasn't doing anything that prevented me from playing high school soccer, um, which really made it that much more meaningful. When like similar to what you said, you knew. That was likely the end of that path for you before you start a new path. And when you realize that, it hits you like a truck. Yeah. And sometimes it takes some time. Like for me, like I mentioned, it didn't hit me right away, but you start thinking about it. You start thinking about it, and you're like, wow, like I would do anything to get that back. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I think like high school is, it's not more about the relationships you make with people. Because, like, I mean, in club, well, I mean, in my club, it's not really about relationship. I mean, like some of the guys have been with each other for years. Like for them, it, it, it may be, but you know, it's it's more about winning games and and getting performances. So that's more of what it's about for me. Yeah, clubs very individual because in the end, you're all individually trying to get to college. You're not all going to the same college. You're trying to get recruited, and that's how my experience was with Rush. And when I was refereeing earlier today, one of well, the head coach of NJ Surf, which was it was a U19 EDP um, USYS game and their National League. That's what it's called. Yeah. National League game. And he's the assistant coach at Rutgers. I was like, oh, do you know Ian Bai and Amy Kelly? They were two kids I played with at Rush who were freshmen at Rutgers Camden. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking a little bit. And um, in his experience, like he's coaching a U19 team. Most of these kids are second semester seniors in the spring, like kind of coasting it out. It's like, yeah, it's hard to get kids to show up to practice, blah, blah, blah. Hard to run, like, meaningful drills when you don't yeah. have numbers. And we went through that same thing at, at Rush. But honestly, it was kind of always like that. Like, kids were into it, but cert you could tell certain kids wanted it more than others. Certain kids just kind of didn't want to be there. They went through the motions. They thought they were better than everyone else, didn't train as hard. And and that, that's not a Rush thing. That happens at a lot of clubs yeah. from, from what I've heard just with through friends like it seems like my old kind club of kind of the same thing yeah, it's just like so hard trying to get people to come out like I'm a junior but like that club was an 04 team so it was mostly seniors so and this was like last fall and it was just like struggling to like like hound kids like come on man the RCP for the the, the training or for the game is like, like are you coming or you're not coming it's like so hard to try and get like yeah. 11 players sometimes for a game it's just, high school is a different culture 
Yeah, especially Galini. Let's go, yeah. Because I mean, I remember when he came, he said that like kids would like not show up at all, and they would be like showing up like like only for games and stuff. Which I mean, it's that sounds crazy. Like, yeah, now, to think of to that. Think about I that. Mean, yeah, it just sounds. And hopefully, crazy. Uh, that's the way he did it. Is the way it should be. So yeah, hopefully, exactly. it stays down that path. I would say the culture with high school is even if you're not a captain. You know, my big thing senior year was. You know, we're all equal. We all hold ourselves to the same level as everyone else. And I lost my train of thought. One of the things that um, you can't do in club soccer is do that. It's like hold people accountable. Because in high school soccer, it does help because you typically know your teammates longer. Um, you're typically like better friends with them. And like, like for a club, we have kids that went to Cherokee, kids who went to like St. Augustine, kids from all over that I really didn't know that well. Um, so I couldn't really push them to be better because it was like that indivi- like individual mentality. And at high school, you realize that you need everybody to buy in. You need everybody to really contribute towards that goal. Like it's a well-oiled machine. Everyone has their part. Everyone has their role, and you need to all work together to get that get the result that you're desiring. And in club soccer, it's difficult to get that because some people are doing their part, some people aren't doing their part, and then when some people don't do their part, the people who are doing their part got to compensate for it, which just tires people out. You know, it's there's a big culture difference between high school and club. Well, I think I, don't know, I think MLS Next is different because hey, everyone there is really focused, but outside of that, it's really it's pretty hard. Um, I think. We'll, we'll transition from this to um, some future goals since we, we really went through the past a lot from, from Township. So what are your future goals for, for college? I know you're a business major, so somewhere probably business. And you also like sell shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what are your future plans and goals? Yeah, so I'll give some background about myself first. Um, so I go to Bentley University, which is right outside Boston and Waltham. Um, it's a business school. I'm not sure what I'm going to major in yet. Um, as far as goal-wise, I only have a couple long-term goals. One of them would be to ref college soccer because I basically told myself, you know, I, I had options to play in college, but I was like, that lifestyle is not for me anymore. Like, I don't want to – I'm not going to say I, I wouldn't have been committed to it because if I did it, I would have been 110% committed to it. But when you play in college, it's a different level of, like, the lifestyle that you have to hold yourself to. Um, so I was looking at, like to play at Widener, for example, and some people see D3 and they're like, okay, they're not that good. Um, any D3 program, I mean, Widener especially, you're getting solid. The only thing that divisions really mean is funding and restrictions. Like Player-wise, you're still getting talent. You're still going to have to push yourself. You're still going to have to work. And that's one thing that I didn't desire going to college. And I'm not going to say I don't regret it because I do miss playing competitively like in like an organized fashion and stuff like that. But once you get a couple months off for me, like, for example, after my injury, I knew I was finishing high school soccer. Um, and who's to say if, if I didn't get injured, like, you know, maybe I would be playing college soccer. But that wasn't really a factor in my decision whether I was going to play in college or not. I really just wanted to live more of like a normal lifestyle, like enjoy myself. I'm not a big partier. That wasn't like in my plans for that. 
Um, but it was more just about being able to like eat what I want, not have to wake up super early, work out, and you know section off time for my day to go train and do this. So now, as far as you know, I'm not focusing on soccer as much, focusing on my education, and then as I mentioned, one of my goals is to ref in college, where you basically kind of have to build up kind of like a CV for yourself, like a resume of you know kind of how many games you've done, what level you've done these games at, and that's kind of the goal for refing is to I'd say that's kind of the only goal I really have right now. Like I'm kind of just taking things one step at a time, being a freshman in college, because um, you get exposed to so many different things. I mean. You take courses that touch in a little bit of every academic subject area um, and making those choices are difficult because there's so many of them. Like, you have so many majors you can pick from, you know, just so many different options. Um, so right now I'm just taking things one step at a time and, you know, once I figure out those stepping stones that are earlier in the process and, you know, I'll set some long-term goals for myself. So. Back to your point of college soccer, yeah. It was kind of like an eye-opener for me because I went to tour. I went like a visit for a D3 school. And I was like, okay, so if you know D3, it probably won't be as bad. You know, just like, and the guy was like, yeah, you know, we're up at like 6.30 a.m. in the gym and then, you know, we'll have like classes and then we got to train in the afternoon. I'm like, wait, this is like D3. And it was like a small D3. It wasn't like a like a real competitive D3 school. So it was like a small school. And it was like, the schedule was like, oh, wow. So like, this is like a commitment. Like, wherever you're in, if you're at D3, D2, D1, like, whatever level you're at, like, it's a huge commitment. And it's like a lot of training and work. And you, I mean, you might even play, especially as a goalkeeper. Like, for me, like, there's probably usually like four goalies on a college roster. Mm-hmm. And like, coming out as like a freshman, it's like you're probably not going to play unless you're like, like up there, like national team experience or something. Like, you're not going to play. So it's really a challenge. That's a great way to look at it because in high school, for example, um, like for us, at Township, for example, if you played for those first three years and you came to try out your senior year, you weren't slacking off, you were making varsity. And there are people who go through four years of college soccer and they never see a minute on the field. And that's just how it is. Like, there's no there's no saying, like, how old you are in college soccer has no clue. There's 18-year-olds playing with 28-year-olds in NCAA. It, your age has nothing to do with it. So it's really up to you. If you grind it out freshman year, you know, you might be playing by sophomore year. And that depends on what level you play at, too. You know, what conference you're in and, you know, what your coach's goals are and your team's goals are. But, I mean, D3, a lot of kids, especially your age, junior year, are like D1 or bust. Not realistic. You're, gonna, you're going to be just as committed essentially d3 versus d2 and d1 and even um juco's community college yeah yeah, that's the term for that it's it's like that commitment like for example bentley's d2 it's quite literally ran like a d1 program they have early morning lifts in like the off season they have six days a week during the season um there's just things that i mean obviously there's different restrictions from like d3 d2 d1 like D3, you get a certain number of play days. I think D2 is the same way, too. But you're going to be working no matter what. And a lot of it is just staying in shape, too. Even if it's like in high school, too. You have, like, at most of the levels, like, in the spring, for example, the coaches aren't allowed to, like, 
be there. Do you know what I mean? Like, remember for high school, we kind of had that same thing, like, during summer practices, like, captain's practices, the coaches weren't technically allowed to be there. But, like, you had, it's, like, mandatory. Like, they're optional, quote-unquote optional, but you have to show up. You have to do that. And that's, you know, something that I know a few people who have went to play in college, and they're like, this isn't for me. And it's because they were stars on their high school team, didn't have the work ethic, and then when they got to college, they couldn't adjust, and it hurt, it hurt them because they were used to being the best player on the team in high school. They got to college, realized, I'm in the bottom of the barrel. I need to work my ass off. Sorry if you can't curse on this podcast. I hope you don't mind. That's good. And you, you know you need to work really hard, and they they're not accustomed to that. And sometimes you know people struggle with that. But then at the same time, there's people who maybe don't play their first year in college. They're not on the team, and they're like, I really miss this. Sophomore year, they try out, and those are some of the best stories. Yeah. You know where you have kids that realize this is how bad I want this, and I want it enough to be able to put down whatever I started since I quit put that on hold and really just dedicate myself to this and when you miss that time you have to work twice as hard like when we both got hurt you got to work twice as hard to get right back where everyone else was especially me yeah i'm i'm still like not like physically like like goalkeeping wise i'm there but like physical wise like running and conditioning I, i'm not I'm not as fast not is it a mental thing or so it's a physical thing you just said would you say it's I, mean, a mental I, thing I feel also? like like, like right now, I'm training like four days a week or three to four days a week, and then we have games on the weekends. So like I hardly have any extra time to like go on my own and train. Or it's just like a recovery thing. I don't have enough, like enough time to recover before games. So I'm trying to like run when I can to get back conditioning wise. But as a goalie, I really don't think it's like the most important thing for me because yeah. I'm, I'm sprinting like 18 yards to, to the edge of the box. That's yeah. not nothing crazy, but it's definitely there. I'm not back to normal yet. It's hard to go off an injury like that like anything that one disturbs your season and two is like pretty long term is just not fun like have you noticed you do anything differently after you got hurt like now versus before you got hurt or would you say you're back to doing things like is there anything new that you do because of your injury I feel subconsciously like, I feel like I'm more cautious as a goalkeeper like now like there's a ball coming at me and it's more it's easier to like dive on the right side because I hurt my, my right hip. So I'm, I may dive on like my left side to, to attack the ball because I don't I don't, I, mean, I don't think I'll get hurt again. But it's just like it's just like this like a small half second thing in your head where you're like oh, maybe I'll go on the left side and like yeah as a goal like that can really change like your decision making because you have to make like split second decisions with, like am I staying out am I coming out for the ball so it's it's definitely there. It's hard because it's very subconscious too. Like, there's things that you probably do now that you also, like, don't even notice. Because you're worrying about the ball. You're not thinking about, am I going to dive on my right or my left? But at the same time, you do have to make that decision. And if your hip's on your right side, you're like, your brain automatically is like, you know what, we don't want to mess with that. We're going to use our left this time. And that's how, for me, like, playing center mid, for example, or just in pickup in the center of the field, I'll always, whenever I turn, I'll have usually my right hand just, like, over my back which it honestly helps me because you're supposed to like feel out what's behind you you're supposed to know what's there and check your shoulder um that's an important one that gets drilled into you in high school and you know so there's benefits i'm not gonna say there's benefits to getting hurt but there are certain things that you like look for now 
it's yeah. interesting how there's little tweaks that you wouldn't have really ex- expected in- impact your game a little bit. Yeah. I think for a second we'll go into some some Chelsea stuff with the new uh, Russia stuff because I think it's honestly crazy kind of like UK restrictions that they're putting on Chelsea. I mean, the art owner is, he's obviously, he's Russian, Roman, Roman Abramovich. Um, but I think that like the day-to-day operations have changed so much where it's turning into like a thing where like the players, like it's in their head, like trying to get results under that kind of pressure with like, they don't know if we're going to have a bus or play in the next game, which is flat on the players and definitely on the um, backroom administration. So it's definitely a challenge for us. I think we're going to have to see for the long term how it's going to end up it's hard there's, there's two, two sides, sides to it there's this has nothing to do with the war and then there's the thing where obviously like the reality that these sanctions are being imposed because of what's going on in Ukraine right now and my thoughts on it are this is the reality of like an economic war like it doesn't just stop at the government um it like targets the people too. Like, for example, in the wars that America has been involved in, we go World War Two. For example, the American public was affected by that. There were some people who switched jobs, switched occupations to work in factories, for example. So, when your government's at war, your country's at war, it affects everybody. And now we're seeing we're not physically boots on the ground involved. We're sending aid and imposing sanctions, but when you're basically waging an economic war on another country, the only way it's effective is if you go to the fullest extent possible. And sadly, Chelsea's on the end of it. Um, and it is interesting how, like for example, only season ticket members can attend games, they can't sell tickets, can't sell like merchandise and all that stuff, but who knows, who's, who knows how long this will go on. And I'm not saying there's much bigger things than Chelsea. Like, people are dying. Yeah, exactly. But this is like, we're focusing on... This is back burner, but yeah. We're focusing on this particular point of the conversation. So I don't want to totally ignore that part. I think we're all very aware of that part. But we're focusing in on, um, like, the Chelsea side of it. I wonder how long it'll go on for. Because um, eventually... I know, wasn't his goal before the sanctions to sell the club? Yeah, he wanted to sell. I think it was like two weeks ago. He wanted to sell it by like Friday, and I think the sanctions came on Thursday, so he wasn't able to sell. So now he's he's still unable to sell, but he's they're getting progress with the government to try and get him to sell it, where he can actually like sell the club, but he can't take the profit until after the war or something like that. But yeah, they're working on it, and it's still a work in progress. That'll be interesting to see how that turns out because the first thing that. I saw Chelsea was doing. Um, so obviously, they've lost their like economic and financial powers, but they're kind of going on like the emotional side of things. I would say, like in their tweet, for example, they talked about the impact to the Chelsea FC Foundation, like their chari- their charitable works and stuff like that. Because when I mean, when you halt their operations, you can't do anything without cash. That's like. Bentley Business School 101. If you don't have cash, your business die. And they basically are restricted on their cash and they can't do their charitable works. So that's one thing that I saw Chelsea was doing, I think, to kind of get the government to be like, hey, like, our owner's Russian, but we do good things. You know, you're 
stopping Chelsea as a whole, which also stops the good things that we do. So, and it is interesting because the owner's Russian, and you ask yourself, what impact does that really have on the club? I don't think it impacts any decisions the club makes. They're not biased towards Russian players or anything like that. It's more just he has a lot of money, and it's unfortunate because Chelsea are at a really good strong point, and now they're suffering for it. Yeah, I think like the main thing about him is because he's like a Russian like oligarch, so yep. he has like the political ties with Vladimir mm-hmm. Putin. So I think like that's like the main reason why they're against him because well he got he got rich because of uh, because of Putin. So it's kind of like yeah, they have like a relationship. And that's the difference between if he was Russian, people like all right, cool. Yeah. But when he's someone who has um, a tie to the man who's essentially like the mastermind of everything like the reason this is happening like the kremlin or the reason that this is happening it's it's really not the russian people that want this and the protests that are happening in russia are basically putting that on display for everyone to see and that's another thing you know we're not used to like i can go on tiktok and see videos about what's happening in ukraine like raw footage from people on the ground on the first lines at ground zero seeing what's happening and that's one thing that we've never seen before so it's interesting and it's a different way of people talk a lot about like media censorship of what's happening um but now we can see exactly what's happening it's just deciphering all right is this an old video did this just happen in the past few weeks so that's the new struggle now but it's definitely like a new world that we live in yes like 20 years ago, like you would never have TikTok or phones or anything. Well, when you, oh, yeah. you have TV, but like that's about it. So it's just a whole different, whole different element of it. Yeah, now. it's getting the primary source versus whatever's passed down through multiple people. And it's, I think that also opens some people's eyes, too. Like, no one really knows what the reality of war is. And honestly, this war isn't at a stage that's that grand, to be honest. Like, in the grand scheme of things, we're used to... I mean, what we always learn about is a civil war, which which basically tore a nation apart and then eventually put them back together. World War One, World War Two, where it's a world war. You know, it basically affected the majority of the world. And now we're talking about, you know, Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine, and it's really not that large of a scale. And we're still seeing the horrors of what happens in war. Um, but that, that first-hand account is really valuable. But tying it back to Chelsea, it's like we're trying to stop those terrible things that we see in videos by sanctioning this guy who has political ties to Putin. And the whole debate is like, is that going to work? Realistically, probably not. But it is kind of about the idea of it, too, I would say. We're basically trying to do everything we can, and... That's one of the things the government has the power to do. Yeah. So that's the reality of it. Hopefully Chelsea will be able to, you know, hopefully the war will end soon. I think that's the first priority. And then hopefully Chelsea will be able to resume their operations after, you know, the world heals. Yeah. So that's my take on it. So we saw yesterday the Champions League draw for the quarterfinals. And so what are your thoughts on the teams who were drawn? I, mean, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You know what happened last week, but I do know what happened last week, and I'm. Wait, was the same upset about it? Was it? It was like Tuesday. Yeah, it was. It was recently. 
I'm not too upset about it, honestly. Um, you're looking at me right now. You're like, yeah, I know, I know he's upset about it. Um, it's just kind of disappointing because it's like the state of the club. I mean, it's not like Atletico put an absolute master class on us and dropped us into ruins. I wouldn't say it was them playing good. I would say it was us playing bad. And sadly, we've been playing bad consistently. Because there's, I just feel like there's no like desire from the team. Like we have lackluster players that go out, and you know there's no like passion. Hey McGuire. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one example. And I would say, I wouldn't say these players aren't passionate because I think they are. But I think there's some kind of, I'm not gonna say like leadership's missing, but I just think the culture is just not. We don't see what goes on in the dressing room, but the culture just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like they work together. Like it doesn't seem like they're a family. Like if you watch, like Man City celebrate goals, like they're smiling, they're happy with each other, and United scores on the rare occasion that we score nowadays, and like we're happy, but then we let a goal up right away, and there's no cohesiveness after that. And we used to have, I used to remember like a couple of years ago when we were down one goal with like 10 minutes left in the game, I was confident we were at least winning a point. Like I knew we were going to score at some point. I knew Rashford was going to tuck one in. I knew, you know, um, what was his name? I don't remember his name. I knew someone was going to score a header. I just, I knew we were going to get at least a point from this game. And now I'm like, all right, we're down 1-0 against Atletico. Good team. Yeah. Um, with 10 minutes left and I'm like this is probably where it's going to end because we're just kind of stuck in that stuck in that slump yeah I think the culture really is a big thing for Pochettino I remember I think this was it's at my National Honor Society induction I think I was talking with Galini and he told me that he went to he had like a, um, like a visit there when he was like searching for colleges and um, nothing he went there and it was like 10 years ago and he was with like the player from like a lunch or maybe like a dinner or something and there was like six players with him, and he's like, "Like, where's the rest of the team?" And they're like, oh, "Yeah, I mean, they're like in their dorm or something. Like, we have no idea." And he was like, "Like, wow, like, like they're just like, like they're, they're one team, but like only six players are there at dinner." And that's so that's why he ended up. That's one of the reasons I think why he ended up going to Lafayette. I hope you he's okay with sharing that. But that's one of the reasons he went to Lafayette because there's more of like a cohesive team there, the culture there was a lot better, which can definitely like impact the game. In your case with Man U, definitely can impact. Yeah, I'm going to switch into the college aspect of it on the point that you just mentioned on Galini's experiences. I would say, like, me also, when I was in my college search, I had my, basically every school I toured besides Bentley was to play soccer at. Um, and all, like, Bentley was basically my academic school if I didn't want to play. And then I had my search for where I felt I could play at and where I felt like I could be successful at. And like Widener's program, for example, was like values grit, values hard work. And yet again, D3 program, you wouldn't know it. Like you gotta work to really get what you want. You gotta work to earn your time. And that's where I felt, I felt like they were very similar to Township, for example. Um, other places I went to, I can't remember a bad experience I've had but um, they're definitely out there. You see some teams where college is still very like competitive. Like it's you should have a competitive team, but there's some 
schools like at Bentley, for example, I feel like some kids, and this is just from one perspective of a player on the team, there's just no like working together. Like it's very individual. Like it's like, oh, you're playing over me. I'm not gonna work harder than you. I'm gonna like make you look worse. I'm gonna make me look better. And that's just the culture at certain clubs. And that's really dictated by the coach, honestly. Like, we saw that with high school soccer. Like, Galini put in a culture, a township that hopefully remains through the new coaching administration because basically it's just my boy O'Donnell left there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The OG, he's, he's not going anywhere. I, I think he'll be he's there, for, he'll be there for a while. Yeah, probably 10, 15 years. Yeah, no, I'll come back. I'll be... I'll, I'll be coach's age. I'll be thirty, and I'll be. You have kids, probably. Yeah. Well, well the, O'Donnell. Oh, me have kids. Yeah, okay. Cause have I know kid, O'Donnell yeah. just he has kids. Yeah, he's just had a kid. Yeah. Yeah, his wife just had. Yeah, Gavin. A baby. It's like Gavin Martin. I think his name is. Yeah, my last name. Really? It wasn't because of me, but. <laughs> you got the feature there. That's interesting stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's culture is really an important aspect of it. Yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. I'm sure it's been a lot more. No worries. Hopefully, I didn't bore anybody. Nah, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there, especially leadership-wise. For anyone, I think it's really, really beneficial. So, and anybody listening, can always text me. I'm 100% open to. I like staying in touch with what's going on in Township. I'm on spring break right now, leaving tomorrow. It's good to be back in town. Definitely. When this comes out, you'll be gone. This is coming out next Saturday. So. Okay. All right. We'll be so gone. My team left, played PDA. Hopefully, we get a win. I'm really hoping because I know Javon left, so he was their right winger. So I don't know who the backup is for him, but he'll be playing now. Good luck. Yeah, hopefully get a clean sheet. I mean, probably not, but hopefully get a clean sheet. A win. I mean, a win is a win. I mean, I'll take a win. Oh, exactly. I'll take a win. Exactly. It's our home field too, so I'll take a win. Okay. Good. Good luck tomorrow. Good. Thank you. Good for you guys. All right. Wrap it up. Cool. All right. I'll see you, Luke. Well, I'm Thank. We're still here, but yeah, I'm still physically here. Thanks I'll for having me on, John. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for listening to episode five of the podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we'll have about a fifteen to twenty minute special of some additional uh, recording that was not in this episode. Um, we had about. It's close to an hour of uh, footage that we had. Or not footage, but recording that we had. So there's a lot of stuff there. So you'll hear some more next week. Um, we got into some more leadership stuff. So yeah, it's good stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed. And peace. Peace.